Welcome to Talking Health Tech with Peter Birch, a podcast featuring conversations with key players and influencers to promote innovation and collaboration for better healthcare enabled by technology. Hey, going team health tech, Peter Birch here on an episode of the podcast that hasn't got a number to it. It's something a little bit different. It's a bit of a bonus episode for everybody. And normally we reserve the bonus episodes just for our THT Plus members. But I've got something really exciting to share with you that I wanted to drop something into your podcast feed for you to check out now. So about three or four weeks ago, we held the first ever Talking Health Tech Summit, where we had 12 sessions and over 35 speakers and over 100 attendees in a seven and a half hour live stream day of insights, collaboration, and learning. There was lots of great feedback that's come off the back of the summit, and it's so cool to hear that there's been a lot of connections made off the back of it as well, and further conversations like collaborations and partnerships. So that's awesome. And we're currently in the midst of planning for our winter summit, which you'll hear about soon, and then we plan to do them every quarter as well. But with the autumn summit, we've just made available to our THT Plus members and to ticket holders from the event a special premium podcast feed, like a mini-series that they can subscribe to and listen to all 12 sessions using their favorite podcast player. And I wanted to give you a bit of a sneak peek of one of those sessions. So in a minute, I'm going to play you one of those 12 sessions from the Autumn Summit, which you'll be able to listen to now. And if you do like it, go and check out talkinghealthtech.com summit or click on the link in the show notes of this episode. And you can go through and subscribe to the Autumn Summit 2021 podcast miniseries. Now, since the Autumn Summit was an event that you had to pay to get a ticket to. It's a pretty fair price though for the amount of quality speakers that we had. We've also made access to the Autumn Summit podcast series something that you've got to pay for as well. But if you're a THT Plus member, you've already got that and you can listen to it as part of your membership. If you're not interested in becoming a THT Plus member yet and you just want to pay a one-time fee to listen to the 12 sessions from the Autumn Summit, then click on the link in the show notes of this episode and set yourself up. So to get you in the mood, I'm going to play you one of my favorite sessions from the summit, although they're all my favorite. They're like children to me, these 12 sessions, 12 very intelligent children. So you get to listen to one now, but make sure you subscribe to the Autumn Summit podcast series to listen to the rest. All right, let's do it. If you want to have a flourishing career in health tech, do you need to become a doctor or a health informatician or have an MBA? What qualifications do you need? What opportunities exist? What skills are required? And what do the future roles look like that don't even exist yet? In the 11th session at the Talking Health Tech Autumn Summit, Dr. Josh Case chaired a panel discussion that was all around forging a career in digital health and health technology in Australia. It was so cool to hear the real world experiences of clinicians and experts at different stages, taking different paths, all achieving some amazing things in their own way. So if you've got an innovative health tech idea that you want to do, do you just dabble in it? Do you burn the boats and go all in or, or something else? It was great as well to hear some consistent themes about the importance of community and building that network to help you achieve great things. I feel like this one's going to resonate with many people and whether you're a doctor, developer or decision maker within the health tech scene, you'll get something out of this episode. So check it out. You're listening to sessions from the Talking Health Tech Autumn Summit, which was held on the 23rd of March, 21. The Talking Health Tech Autumn Summit was a fully virtual event featuring over 35 speakers across 12 sessions witnessed live by over 100 attendees on the day. Each of the sessions has been made available to you as episodes of a podcast mini-series exclusive for THT Plus members and Summit ticket holders. Enjoy the sessions and let's make it happen. So so 
this session today. It's another panel session. It's going to be chaired by Dr. Josh Case, who I'll bring up on the screen in a second, and then who will also introduce the other panelists. So uh, for those that don't know Josh, he is on the screen now. How are you going, buddy? I'm very well, Peter. Thanks very much for having me. To give Josh a bit of an intro, and then I'll hand over to him to introduce everyone else. Uh, he's a junior doctor and software developer passionate about innovation, global health, entrepreneurship, and teaching doctors to code. He recently left, recently left full-time medicine and pursued a career on the boundary of all things technical and clinical. So he's creating lots of technology solutions to help doctors on a day-to-day, -day, practical things, fast-paced, getting things out. There is a podcast episode we did recently, which Dead Set, though, was one of my favorites. I'm not saying it because you're next to me, but I, I really enjoyed the conversation. So do check that one out. I think there's a lot we can explore. And this is why I'm excited to have you chair this session around uh, a career in health tech with the panelists we've got in a second. He's also got a book called Code Blue, an introduction to programming for doctors and medical students, which you should also check out. So I'm going to bring everyone else on the stage. And uh, I'm going to drop off and let you take it away, Josh. Wonderful. Thanks very much, Peter. Thank you very much for that warm introduction. And thank you for <laughs> the shameless plug. I'm really excited for today where we've got a great session lined up around forging a career in digital health and health technology. And I've got such an awesome panel today that I can't wait to introduce, some of whom I've had the pleasure of meeting before and some that I haven't. So if I get any of this wrong, please feel free to interrupt me and, and correct me if I don't get any of this right. But quickly, before I introduce our panel, I'd like to make my own acknowledgement of the traditional owners of the land and pay my respects to their elders past and present. I'm joining the Zoom call from Melbourne where um, the Wurundjeri people hail from. So with that said, I could spend all day introducing this awesome panel, but I've restricted myself to a sentence or two for everyone just in the interest of time because there's so much fantastic sort of content that I want to get through. The first person I'd like to introduce is uh, Dr. Robert Perlman, and he's the founder and CEO of MedApps, and he's a clinician who taught himself to code to build the first version of MedApps a number of years ago, and it's now used by more than 22,000 clinicians across Australia, the UK, and Canada, one of which is me. It was a very formative tool for me in making the transition from medical school to working as a doctor. So welcome, Robert. Thanks, Josh. Good to be talking to you again. Yeah, very happy to have you here, Rob. We've also got Jason Borry. And Jason Borry is the founder of HPM Executive, which is a specialist executive search and selection firm focused exclusively on emerging technology ventures um, in the life sciences. So we've got some awesome um, industry expertise to contextualize all of this discussion today. So welcome, Jason. Thank you. Looking forward to it. We've also got the wonderfully esteemed Amandeep Hansra, who's a leader in digital health in Australia. She founded Evermed Consulting and provides digital health consulting services across the health sector and is involved in a range of startups within the ecosystem. I know Amandeep from her roles to do with Creative Careers in Medicine, which is basically the largest digital platform for doctors seeking, I guess, a different career path in Australia. And welcome, Amandi. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. When I um, first spoke to Amandi very briefly a few weeks ago when she sent me a message inviting me to join the group, and it was when I joined Creative Careers in Medicine um, group, I instantly felt that I'd found my people. So she's done a great job with that mm -hmm. awesome community there. We also, last but certainly not least, we have Dr. Ben Hurst, and he's a, a doctor who turned writer and then into a startup founder. His career zigzagged all over the place from, I think he did his internship in Geelong, or his clinical internship in Geelong, and then he worked at Warnable for a while. He then worked in the Port Phillip prison as a psychiatrist. He was a novelist in New York, and now he's the CEO of Hot Doc, a Melbourne-based health tech company. So welcome, Ben. Thanks, Josh. Appreciate being here. I thought I'd start the discussion today by sort of leaving this fairly open with a fairly broad question. And that question is, what are the thought of, sort of things you need to have a flourishing career in health tech? Rob, do you think you're 
background in clinical medicine gave you a leg up in the sort of things you've been able to do with MedApps? And do you think that's essential for someone trying to go down a road like you have? Joshua, I think everyone needs to bear in mind that everything I say is going to come from the benefit from the post hoc rationalizations that everyone's course starts to have. So yeah. for me, absolutely, it was essential that I'd gone through internship and, and residency and, and had experience of the hospital system. But as I look around, you come across a lot of people who've gone through different paths. My feeling is that it's definitely really beneficial to have some clinical experience. And I don't think that doctors by any means should have a monopoly on this. There's a lot of wonderful people with nursing backgrounds and allied health backgrounds that are out there contributing to the field. And also in the consulting space as well, people who have spent a lot of time working in healthcare and understand how it functions, because I do believe that you need to, to be inside a system to be able to have a go at changing it. You're absolutely right. I think certainly with the scale of the public health systems that we operate in Australia, having someone on the inside is a really big advantage. I guess going down that line, I might throw this one to Jason. We know that companies having clinical insight is important, but I might get you to speak to, I guess, a bit of the appetite for what sort of skills are emerging technology companies in the life sciences looking for? You know, I, I assume they want clinical input, but what are some of the other skills that these kind of fledgling digital health companies are looking for in their people that they're looking to recruit? Well, the reality is it depends on the nature of the role that they're actually yeah. looking to appoint. So specific skills. But I think looking at the industry, digital health, what it might want in terms of skills and knowledge out of its people in the future, I don't think it's that much different in many ways from many other industries. Though, as we all know, moving forward, softer skills, people skills are far more important. So yeah. whilst I, I really do recognise and I am often tasked with identifying people who have a range of industry or commercial specific skills, mm. having a clinical background is really important and adds credibility in, in, in spades. But if they aren't able to engage, if they aren't able to communicate effectively, if they aren't credible, if they don't have the capacity to influence outcomes, and these are personal competencies that you can develop over time. If they're not willing to, to listen and change tech, then there's absolutely in, in a dynamic environment, such as startup type businesses, there are people who haven't grasped the nettle on those competencies are really going to struggle. Absolutely. I think that's a great point. I think those of us who have worked clinically would all have encountered people in hospital environments who, as you say, aren't that you know willing to think flexibly or perhaps aren't that way to look at a new way of doing things. So it's very interesting to see that that's, to hear from you, that's valued in the private sector as well. I think now might be a, a good time to bring in Amandeep with your, as a digital health expert and also very connected to the grassroots sort of movement for people in healthcare looking for, as you say, creative careers in and around medicine. I might get you to talk a little bit about the spectrum of opportunities that's out there for someone who's maybe they're clinical, maybe they're not, but what that spectrum of involvement could look like in digital health. There's people who still work full-time clinically and maybe they sit on a startup board and then there's people who quit their job on the other end and don't do any clinical stuff at all. Can you speak a little bit about what that spectrum looks like and maybe give a few examples of different ways that people could bring digital health into their career path? Great, great question. Thanks, Josh. So, I mean, our community is almost 11,000 people, which is really exciting. I mean, to think that many people are thinking quite creatively about their career tells us a lot about medicine. And it might be that they're getting burnt out and they're fed up with, you know, their current sort of day-to-day, -day, or it might be that they actually are excited about 
what the future could look like. And I think it's a mixture of both. But I definitely agree with the comments from the other panellists around it's not about having a specific skill. Like, Josh, you're a coder and a lot of people come to me saying, do I need to learn how to code to get into digital health? And I can't code. I'm actually not as, I shouldn't admit this, I'm not as tech literate as everyone assumes that I am. But I think the things that clinicians or some of the people that come and approach me, you know, do possess or have or should have is that problem-solving attitude. So there are people who come in who are really, as Jason mentioned, creative thinkers who are adaptable because, as we know, technology is changing so frequently. So there's no point learning about a specific technology because chances are in a couple of years that tech's going to be new. And it's really about the underlying principles. Um, what are you trying to achieve with that technology? How are you trying to improve the health system? Because often we, we look at tech and we go, here's a great piece of tech. Let's find a problem we can solve with it. And it's really the backwards, the wrong way around. And people should really be going, what are the problems in our healthcare system? And is there technology around that might solve this problem? And then how do I bring it into the health system? So it's really about that adapt adaptability, flexibility, understanding the principles of good patient care and what we're trying to achieve. And in terms of how people actually get involved, so as you said, there's a whole spectrum. So you can start off just dabbling in it and saying, look, I just want to provide some clinical advice, a full-time pediatrician, and I want to provide advice to a startup in the ped space in just yeah. giving them clinical input, right through to you can quit your day job and start do a startup like, you know, I think Rob did at the beginning. Um, <laughs> but often people I find like the mixture. So, I mean, I still practice clinically and I don't think I could stop that. Um, yeah. But I think having a mixture is some of the great things about digital health because it actually helps you in both sides of your jobs. So you can be a really great clinician in understanding some of the pain points and how much, how to solve them. And then you can be great at your digital health sort of consulting role because you day-to-day -day deal with frontline problems that other clinicians experience. So I think there's a whole range, but my advice is to get started is just dip your toes in the water. Don't give up your job just yet because um, it doesn't. It might not pay what you want it to pay and it might not be as glamorous as you think it is. There's yeah. a lot of hard work involved. So just start with little things and as you get more exposure to the industry, you might start to figure out where you fit in all of it. Really, really well said. I echo a lot of what you've put out there. Ben, I might latch on to something that Amandeep said there. She said she was alluding to that there's, I guess, lots of reasons why someone who's clinical might wind up in a digital health role or, you know, founding their own company. One of the examples she gave was perhaps they're a bit burnt out. I recently made a career move to work more in digital health and I often get people assuming that I was completely fed up or burnt out with the medical system. Maybe there was an element of that, but that wasn't completely true. Can you speak to a little bit about what led to you transforming from clinical and then, you know, all the way through to founding Hot Dog and then coming to have the big success you, you've come to today. What did that kind of journey look like for you? Were you fed up with it, with clinical medicine, or did you, do you want something different or what did that, what were your motives kind of making that transition? Yeah, sure. I was a little bit fed up with clinical medicine, not because I didn't think clinical medicine is, it's an incredibly enriching vocation. The moments that you can experience with a patient in the four walls of the room, it's like, that's, yeah. That there's a real dignity and honor in being a doctor. Mm. What I found, and it took me 10 years to realize, I just wasn't that good at it. My, my brain is not about remembering facts and having these abilities to sort of ask for these symptoms and then think about well, what's the right investigation and then what's the thought process beyond that, which is, it's not, a, it's not required for every single medical discipline, but it's a really mm. important way of thinking. And my mm. brain, it always struggled. So it took me 10 years before I realized I'm a bit more of a creative person and I kind of just like to 
focus on things that maybe there isn't existing knowledge, but you can almost start from, from square one. I went through the whole rigmarole of trying my hand at emergency, then psychiatry, then writing a book and hot dog just fell in my lap during a drunken conversation in New York bar. And, and it was the idea that took me there more than a forged career. It was much more serendipity. And so I think my advice would be if, if you're a disenchanted doctor or you're not loving it, digital health can be really exciting. If you are a really happy, fulfilled doctor, digital health can also be really exciting. Yeah. Our advisor, Jag, he, he works full-time as a GP and he, he loves the work he does with hot doc as well as what he does clinically. I myself, I haven't done what the men deeps. I've gone, I've burnt the boats and just become a, a business person. And that's like, that's worked for me. So I think yeah. there are lots of ways to tackle this. And it just, I guess it starts with knowing yourself. And then the second thing is just being really excited about an idea that you want to see through all the way. Yeah, absolutely. I'd add really a little bit to that if I could jump in please, there. Yeah, please do. Because, you know, in my line, I see people from all sorts of backgrounds, professions, mm. you know, accountants, lawyers, engineers, and they're no longer doing accounting, legal, or engineering work. They've pursued different uh, avenues, and it's not at all surprising. I think the point that I'd make from that is that if there's people out there asking themselves this very same question, they realize they're not alone, and it's not alone within medicine. They're not alone within society. Absolutely. That's really well said. I think historically, medicine has had one of the highest rates of you study medicine and then you work in medicine, whereas things like engineering have always had high rates of divergence. I think we're now actually starting to see that trend normalise in many ways, where the rates of people who study medicine and now work in, I guess, more broader career opportunities, those sort of rates are normalising. And I, I guess while I've got you on the on the floor, Jason, let's say you're a, a mid-career clinician or a, quite a senior, fairly advanced through the clinical training pathway, and you want to start adding some things onto your CV or things on your belt to make you more employable in the, in the technology sector, in the life sciences, maybe in the startup scene, are there things that make you a lot more recruitable in the business world as a clinician? You know, is it an MBA? Is it speaking at conferences? Is it having business experience? What are the types of things that a mid-career doctor could add onto their belt to make them recruitable in another world, in another sort of space? I think that's a really interesting point. I think in medicine, there's a career development is often, uh, you can diploma your way into career development and mm. additional qualifications can lead to career options. And that isn't necessarily the case out in the, the commercial world. You've got a couple of options here. You're looking at starting up your own or with some other people or leaving to join larger organizations mm. in a non-clinical role. And in terms of what you need to do, they may be quite different. I mean, MBAs are great in and of themselves. Personally, I don't believe they mean that much. They indicate intent, but until you've actually married that diploma uh, with some real world where the rubber hits the road, that's where you'll actually uh, demonstrate what that has done for you personally and what you can then do for your prospective employer. That's really well put. I think it echoes a lot of my thoughts kind of uh, along that kind of there's this almost never-ending treadmill of qualifications, isn't there? And at some point, something has got to give, doesn't it? I'll just quickly, just while we've got a second, I'll mention a couple of comments that are coming through from Jackie Rebecca, who's mentioned that I refer friends from medicine to creative careers in medicine, the group, at least once a month. And Aidan Cousins, who I think is the community manager here, said, I actually got my first software job through creative careers in medicine, which is awesome. So I don't think the, the message is very clear if you're interested in that sort of space. Creative careers in medicine is the place to be. Rhiannon Nevin-Dolan has said, I think one of the biggest challenges moving away from 
directly clinical role is losing part of your identity and understanding that whatever steps you take are valid and worthwhile. That's a really insightful comment, Rihanna, and it actually echoes even going from full-time to part-time echoes. Something that I've kind of gone through is a doctor is such a huge part of who I am and stepping away from that a little bit felt a little bit, um, it rocked the boat a little bit. Did anyone in our, our group here, I guess, struggle with, was it mom or dad or grandma or grandpa who had their granddaughter or grandchild was a doctor and kind of struggle with that uh, transition or, or maybe their, their family and friends expectation of what their career should look like? I definitely did. More through um, medical school than not yeah. where I was a bit unhappy and was thinking about alternatives. And yeah, like my parents were both doctors and it was, yeah. they're very understanding, empathetic people, but it was very hard for them to understand that, that someone would find it difficult to find true fulfillment in, in healthcare. And I guess my advice would be to just keep having those conversations. You feel pressured, just like maybe you're not going to resolve that the first time, but you know, family, they'll, they'll get on the same page eventually. So don't just storm out of the room the first time you have that conversation. <laughs> I think that, that's great advice. Thank, thanks very much for sharing. Um, I might take it down a little bit of a different track now and, and maybe pick on Rob. And I want to ask a question a bit about sort of risk-taking as a clinician in digital health because, you know, as a, as a profession, clinicians tend to be risk-averse. We're trained to see risk and danger around every corner. And then, you know, you look at this transition to an industry where, you know, starting your own company, it's among the most, quote-unquote, risky things you can do and that it has a very high rate of failure and you have to start doing things like you know asking people to pay you directly that's not something that doctors do very often and so there's I guess a risk involved in that transition Rob did you find yourself having to adjust how comfortable you were with risk to do this or did you feel yourself always at the end of the spectrum where you were willing to take risks I guess the reason I'm asking is for people who feel worried about these types of things do you think that precludes them from getting involved in the type of things that you do well, I, I think I've probably always been fairly comfortable with risk, but also probably was a little bit naive going in in, in some areas when, and some elements of the sort of risk hangover sort of only appeared after I'd, I'd committed committed to the path. But, you know, I, I, I guess in, in the back of my mind, I'd always, this was meant to be a detour for a while so that I could scratch an itch and hopefully it would succeed or fail in a couple of years and, and then I would be able to be comfortable you know there would be a surgical career to go back to back towards if the business didn't work in a short period of time and then it was more the adjustment of well it's now six years and we're still going what's going to happen to my clinical career that was yeah. um the interesting sort of psychological change that i had to come to terms with um, but i think also one of the things that really helped with that was the community and meeting a lot of other people from a clinical background who were around in not only in in say health tech but also in in the hospitals that we were dealing with who were full of enthusiasm and recognizing that we were solving a problem and, and supportive that made it you know, very helpful when when things were going a bit slowly yeah absolutely it's interesting you mentioned that connecting with people who've gone down a similar line rob and i met each other a couple of months ago when i just sort of inquired about mad apps and wanted to connect with the founders and creators just and the reason i share that is in general, I found people who work in this space to be very open and receptive to spontaneous Zoom calls, to share ideas, to open up their network for each other, to bounce ideas around, to get each other ahead. And I think it's, I, I would reiterate to anyone who's 
listening to the conference or attending that for the most part, I have found people to be very respect responsive to an email or a message that says, hey, I'd love to chat a bit more about this. Can you help me find my own way through this career path? So I think that would be a really good example of how someone can kind of dip their toes into this industry and learn a bit more about how they themselves can get involved. Um, I might ask another sort of open and general question. Let's say we're at the other end of the career spectrum now and we're talking about medical students or junior medical officers and they are looking for some tangible way to, as you said, Amanda, dip their toes into the digital health industry. What are some things that they can do to, you know, is publishing a journal article something that will get them further down that career path or what should they do to try and learn more about this industry? Maybe at the sort of bite size end of the spectrum? Um, look, I would start with just connecting with the community. So coming along to events like this, um, and I found one of the things that doctors generally don't do very well is networking. So trying to find ways to meet other people um, because generally you have a, a, a pathway. So you're not good at going out and meeting lots of people to try and get opportunities. Um, so I definitely in the health tech space, networking is everything. Go to conferences, join um, health tech, join all of these groups, join Creative Careers in Medicine, of course I've got it. But, you know, we're a great community and I think the health tech community has been so welcoming and open in, in sharing and um, supporting. And I'd say that would be the first step for, for junior doctors, for medical students, just start coming along to events and meet people. And that's where it all starts. You don't need to publish a paper, you don't need to do a PhD, just start there and, and yep. things will flow. I absolutely agree with that, Amanda. Even a few things that I would add to the list are often universities will have a department or a division that's relating to startup technology scene. There'll be events like startup weekends and that kind of thing, you know, that aren't necessarily strictly health focused, but that's completely okay because you can go to those weekends, you can pick up so many skills, you can meet like-minded people, you can really open yourself up to this whole avenue of opportunity that's out there just by, actually just by rocking up. I think absolutely. another thing that I would add there that's been, to be frank with you, transformative for the types of things that I've tried to do is actually by writing my thoughts and sharing them online. Like I actually didn't think that would be provide as much opportunity as it has for me. So much, so many networking opportunities and business opportunities and career opportunities have come about from me just literally writing what I'm thinking about. Maybe it's the problem that I'm working on or the challenges that I'm having and sharing that. And I think it's allowed me to really connect with the community even more so than I was previously. So I'd, I'd definitely throw those two things onto the list. All right, so we've only got a couple of minutes left and I might open this up to everyone again, just to round things out. Um, you know, if you were to start your, your digital health journey all over again tomorrow, what would be the set of skills that you have today that you've picked up over that journey that you would love to hit the ground running with? Like, what are the things that you felt, I guess, least prepared for coming into this sort of digital health health career track? I can start. It's a funny question. <laughs> it's, it's actually useful. If you know yeah. what this leads to, for example, I had hair on my head before I started a company. <laughs> it's, it's a marathon beyond. So... I think embrace the uncertainty and I mean, I'll re-ask the question a bit. I, I think what's helped me get whatever success Hot Doc has had is just curiosity and the desire to learn. And I think all clinicians are great at that. And so I think it's just like use that as a way to just like learn about sales and marketing mm -hmm. and product market fit and hiring, et cetera, et cetera. Because you just like, e even if you get success up until a certain point, you'll find at 10 employees, it's so different to what it, you need to get to 50 employees, very different to get beyond that. It's a journey and no specific skill 
I think will or no piece of knowledge will necessarily get you all the way there. All the way That's there. Yeah, yeah really I well. certainly agree with with what Ben's saying there. I think clinicians are generally pretty good at working in an agile environment. See one, do one, teach one. We, we, we're still allowed to <laughs> to say that. <laughs> um, but you know, absolutely, being naive was very helpful, and and being able to recover from your mistakes and mistakes and 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 try not to make them again. You can usually make a mistake once, but if you make it again, the same mistake a second time, uh, (laughs) you haven't learned. Wonderful. All right, just before we wrap up, we've spent the sort of last half hour or so grabbing all of your knowledge and sharing it with everyone else, but I might just open the floor for each of you individually. If there's any way that we can support you as a community or anything you want to give a plug, um, please feel free to do that now. Ben, how can we help you um, make progress? Hot Dogs hiring. So if you are keen on evocation health technology check out career site um and also i am very keen to meet with budding entrepreneurs or people who are interested in joining this space my email is bh at hotdog.com.au so feel free to reach out i will definitely take you up on that amandi how can we help you what do you want to plug have you got something in the works um look i just think um you know be come and be part of our community and creative careers and medicine i think there's been some comments around that on the side and it's really it is a fantastic group and rob's been part of that for for the last few years and josh obviously you've joined recently um but it is really about that supportive environment where you don't feel anxious about telling people what you what you're doing and what you're thinking about doing which i think a lot of people in medicine have struggled with um because it's not traditional so certainly join us. We've actually got a digital health Q&A on this evening as well, just asking great digital health um, experts in how they navigated their career. So it's one of those days today. But, yeah, we'd love to see you around the community if, you, if you're interested. So that, that's my plug. Thanks. No worries. And what about you, Jason? What can we do for you as a community? Come to me with zillions of jobs that I can fill. <laughs> <laughs> right, what, what I would say, though, is that um, a big part of my job is to talk to people of right across the spectrum of all yep. stripes and I'm more than willing to have conversations to make introductions where they make sense all that kind of stuff it's a big part of what I do and I'm happy to do that if anyone out there is uh, keen they can find my info pretty easily absolutely reach out to Jason if you need a job field and Rob last but not least what can we do to help you succeed this year mate <clears throat> <laughs> thanks Josh well if there's anyone out there who's uh, looking to invest in, in health technology, then we're, we're currently expanding or looking for some more funding to continue to grow the team. Um, and if there's any clinicians out there who feel like their hospital could have done a better job orientating and onboarding them to their hospital, then we'd love to find out how to get in touch with your hospital. And if you are someone else out there who's, you know, would like to have a chat about your role in, in health tech or you're trying to make the transition then as as ben said i'm I'm always open for a chat as well and my details are pretty easy to find awesome thank you so much ben amandy jason and rob what an awesome panel thank you for your experience and thank you for sharing so openly with us today you go how good was that that was just one of the sessions from the autumn summit that we held a couple of weeks ago and you can get all 12 episodes from that event on your favorite podcast player by subscribing to the autumn summit podcast which you can get the link for in the show notes from this episode so there's another 11 sessions from the summit available for you to purchase if you're keen there's loads of insights waiting for you to get amongst look even i learned a few things from this summit so i'm sure you will too In there, there's sessions about how primary care, hospitals and technology are coming together to address chronic illness in communities. There's an awesome one about privacy, cybersecurity and policy with some extremely knowledgeable experts. 
There's some frank conversations with some senior GPs about what Australian GPs need from the health tech industry. There's one about there's one about commercializing your health tech solution. There's a session with the founder of Fire and an industry veteran around building communities. There's another discussion around the risks of adopting new technologies in healthcare and how to address them. There's a session about AI in healthcare, one about telehealth and sustaining the change, one about Australia's response to COVID and still loads, loads more. And you can get them all as podcast episodes right in your podcast player. So check it out. Subscribe to the Autumn Summit podcast. It's $99 for the full series, but we greatly appreciate your support. We can't keep making the summits without the support from THT Plus members and the ticket holders and people like you who help make it happen. Hopefully you can check out the rest of the episodes. Otherwise, make sure you join our mailing list so you can keep up to date about what's happening with the next summit, the Winter Summit, which is happening on the 24th of June, and it's set to be another mind-blowing event. So check it out. So join the newsletter at talkinghealthtech.com newsletter and learn more. Catch you next time. Thanks for listening to the show. Check out TalkingHealthTech.com to connect with other people in our community and to learn more about the Australian health tech industry. Also, make sure you hit subscribe on your favourite podcast player so you don't miss an episode and share this episode with a few people who need to hear it. Now go make it happen.